This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, December 21st. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Doug Blair. As private businesses continue to mandate COVID vaccines, groups of employees have banded together to make their displeasure known. In the airline industry, United Airlines pilot Sherry Walker and her group Airline Employees for Health Freedom are pushing back against what they view as an overreach by the industry to control their health. Sherry joins the show to talk about her efforts and to push back against vaccine mandates in the airline industry. Because it is the week of Christmas, we are taking a break from news headlines throughout this week. But in the spirit of the holiday, we're going to share some Christmas trivia on the show this week. All right. So, Doug, do you think you're ready? I am so ready. Okay, great. All right. So first question, which country started the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree? So I'm going to try and logic this one out. I think it's somewhere in Europe. Because that logic Europe. follows. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks, that tracks. So I think probably either Germany mm. or Norway. Okay. You have to pick I one. I have to pick one. You have oh, to pick moment one. Of truth. Ah. Let's go with let's do Germany. Yes, you are correct. Woo-hoo! Well done. All right. Question number two. What was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? So I think it's an old one. And this always also goes into the debate of, like, what's actually a Christmas movie and, like, what isn't a Christmas movie. Sure, So if I'm not mistaken, is it Miracle on 34th Street? That's a good guess. It's actually Home Alone, though. Interesting. I know. Yeah. A little McAllister kid. Now, do you think that is a Christmas movie? Yes, definitely. Some people debate that. I think it's a Christmas movie, too, but I have heard people say it's not. Oh, well, I I mean, I I guess— yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I feel like it really is solidly a Christmas movie. Like, it gets into the spirit of Christmas and why we celebrate and that it's all about family. And it's obviously set at Christmas time, which uh, which is the argument uh, that everyone makes about for Die Hard. Exactly, for <laughs> Die Hard, that it's a Christmas movie because it's set at Christmas time. I will debate that. That's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> I, I think it's if, if it was a Christmas movie, it would be the most uh, maybe out of out of the holiday season Christmas movie Agreed. ever. But I do Agreed. like it. It's a great movie. All right. Let's do our final trivia question for today. What are two of the most popular names for Santa Claus? Let's go with Chris Kringle uh-huh. and St. Nicholas. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. Well done, Doug. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get to Doug's conversation with Sherry Walker. My guest today is Sherry Walker, a pilot for United Airlines and co-founder of Airline Employees for Health Freedom, an organization formed to counter COVID-19 vaccination mandates in the airline industry. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. Of course, it's a pleasure. Let's start with the lawsuit that your group has filed against United to fight back against this mandate. Can you tell us a little bit more about that lawsuit and what you're hoping to achieve from it? Sure. Um, When our CEO on August 6th announced the mandate, it pretty much, uh, you know, ripped through the the company to a point where everyone went into panic because it it was strictly a a marketing ploy, um, we believe, couched in in fear. So uh, banded together about 2000 of us and hired uh, Sharon Jaffe, a constitutional and faith based um, defender of our freedoms. And they had filed um, mid-September a complaint in the Northern District in Texas. We uh, have six named litigants. And we were successful in a couple TROs. We went for the preliminary injunction. And as much as Judge Mark Pittman wanted to give us that, um, at the time, the um, definitions of irreparable harm were were longstanding. And although we believe that um, 
love the city of Dallas um, sets us up beautifully. Um, Judge Pittman had some reservation, so he told us he invited us in our ruling to go ask his bosses at the 5th. So we filed an emergency motion for a, an injunction while we're in appeal, and um, that was turned down. But they did grant us expedited status, and they have since put us on the schedule for January 3rd, although I'm not sure that that date will hold. That expedited merits-based claim will then be heard. The beauty of, of what happened when we got the denial on the emergency injunction was the accompanying opinion of Judge Ho. And if we take a look at Judge Ho's um, writing, it, it's, uh, it's very strong language and uh, it, it backs up what the court um, produced in the, in the BTR case a couple weeks ago. And it, it actually made the jump from a public um, entity like OSHA to the private entity of United Airlines. So we're, we're very thankful for Judge Ho's opinion. Now, United Airlines was one of the first airlines to mandate vaccinations for its employees. Um, as somebody who has been flying with United, how did you feel when you'd been told that you needed to get vaccinated or you would lose your job? Well, actually, we felt pretty betrayed. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't hear it from my boss. I heard it on CNBC that morning. So the press was more important, I think, than his own employees. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was pretty sad. But then later on, within another week or two, um, he in, the tapes are up on our, our YouTube channel, um, AE4HF.org, and we have some links to the um, um, video. But in a flight operations meeting, he basically said, anyone who wants to exercise their religious liberties, they can go look for another job because he, he refuses to honor that. So we're pretty sure, and Justice, uh, Judge Pittman wrote in his opinion, that it was all pretextual um, safety claims that um, really are nothing more than a marketing marketing campaign to be the first fully vaccinated. That is something I wanted to follow up on. On your website, you say marketing was the main driver for this mandate. And you write, why else would the CEO ground almost 400 of its most experienced pilots, impose draconian and retaliatory policies on 2,000 of its most loyal employees, and attempt to pit vaccinated coworkers against unvaccinated? So... I mean, like, what what about this is about marketing? It's to say that they're the first ones vaccinated and that looks better. Like, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, um, within a day or so, as I'm also a frequent flyer at United and do purchase tickets on our airline, I received an email from the frequent flyer department explaining how the holiday season is going to be the best ever. That I would be flying on a hundred percent vaccinated airline, and I should um, you know take comfort in that. So we believe. Basically, what was heard in the trial as well by the judge is that this, while he claims safety, um, that this is really a marketing ploy. And, and, and I say that because if it were really about safety, and, and Mr. Kirby is not necessarily talking about the safety of the flying public, he's talking about the safety of his own employees. Like he knows more about my health than I do, that he's worried about my safety. If it were really about that, then he would not let and pilots from other airlines who do not have vaccine mandates ride in my cockpit jump seat. He would be worried about all the employees worldwide, like the um, London-based flight attendants, who do not have to have this mandate. So we don't understand where he's saying it's for our own good, basically. Now, you mentioned at the at the top a little bit that there were no religious exemptions granted by United. Is that something that's still the case? There's no moral or religious exemption that you can apply for for 
uh, to get out of getting vaccinated with United? No, we were allowed to apply for that. It was just a very onerous um, process. And in fact, I would argue that it was all the stacked deck to ensure that you didn't get to exercise your rights. So um, in violation of Title VII, they immediately said you had to have a letter from your pastor. Well, that is not true. So they backed off on that. And then they, they added other onerous um, requests. They started with, a, once you send in your request, you would get like a list of seven questions back. Based on your faith, one of the questions was, have you ever taken an aspirin? Well, I suppose they're trying to make the jump between research. I'm not sure. Um, but eventually the onerous questions were dropped um, and it went down to uh, citing a third party letter that could attest to your faith. Of course, a lot of people thought that meant their uh, pastor and they fell out of the process because of the mere three day window. So everything was pretty much stacked against us. At United Airlines, you had to have your request for we're honoring your faith in by August 31. And I argue all along, what happens to the person who finds God on September 1? They no longer have Title VII rights at United Airlines. So the process was a stacked deck to ensure that as few of people as possible received um, accommodations. It sounds like from what you're saying, there was this idea that they were enforcing the letter of the law where they were allowing uh, the exemptions to be filed, but they were trying to make it as difficult as possible to actually get an exemption. Yes, sir. And then the very few who did get exemptions now are facing what uh, United considers, and this was the basis for our lawsuit, what is a reasonable accommodation? In their mind, it is indefinite unpaid leave. Okay. That is, that to us is irreparable harm. It wouldn't be so bad if we could all get jobs. But just uh, to ensure that the pain is, um, you know, final, they've said, well, we're going to keep you as active status employees. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that I now cannot go seek employment in any aviation industry without approval of the airline, and they're not granting it for conflict of interest reasons. They're um, saying, because you're an active employee, you cannot, you don't have a qualified lifestyle change, so you cannot have an emergency access to your 401k. So we have people with hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in retirement funds saved up that will probably have to declare bankruptcy. So in addition, as an active employee, but you're on unpaid leave, you can't seek unemployment benefits. And we've had some people who tried to refinance their house in a cash out and the refinance companies are saying, well, no, you're, you're on leave, so you have no income, so we can't give you a refi. So they're not content on just putting us out of work. They want to destroy us, and we believe it's because of our faith. Faced with these very obviously horrible circumstances, how has United tried to save face or responded to these uh, stories? I mean, I, I can't imagine a company would, would want to keep this type of bad press going. So what is their justification for this? They don't have any. They have just tried to ignore us, erase us. Most of our coworkers do not even know we exist. We're fighting hard to get our message out. But um, this, this multinational global just um, thinks that they can run roughshod over its employees, and we're not going to stand for it anymore. So we're standing up. Now, you mentioned that some of your coworkers don't know about you guys. Have you found that that's true even in the sense of like, they just don't know or they're, they're not on board with you? How have coworkers that have heard about your organization respond to the organization? 
Well, a lot of people, unfortunately, um, I would say drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, we've had a lot of folks in our organization who have been discriminated against on social media. They've been retaliated against, um, you know, stalked, whatever you want to call it, um, in the social media world. But um, our CEO comes out and says mm, a couple weeks back that it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to fly with those people who are unvaccinated anyway. Well, when that hit the press, within hours, we had hundreds of letters from coworkers who said, we don't care, we'll fly with you. We know the vaccine protects us, so we're all right. And we would like to, you know, we didn't even know you existed out here. So, so we've been able to do some fundraising and get some word out from all the folks that are sympathetic, but there is a large contingency um, that, that are just vile to some of our, our, our members. One of the things that really struck me as I was reading your website is that there is this idea of people who were scared to lose your jobs. And it sounds like that's something that a lot of people were going through or losing their retirement benefits or uh, all of these pensions that they'd worked for. They were scared of losing these things, that they went against their religious beliefs or their moral beliefs, and they received the vaccine. Have you found that there are a lot of people coming to you with that story and saying, I don't know what to do. I, I went against my religious faith. I went against my moral beliefs. How do I deal with this? Well, I, I would I would start back first. With, again, the deck was stacked. So the pressure was put on everyone from the union members to to management to get these people vaccinated. And, and I've had numerous phone calls of people in tears saying, I violated my faith. I don't know what to do. Or I, I even had one person um, most recently that they were looking at um, suicide and, and, and it's out there and we're doing everything we can to get people to help. But it, it is really um, unbelievable the lack of human empathy and an interactive process whereby you're supposed to be able to say, well, okay, I'll get you the letter, but I'm on a three-day trip right now. I can't get home and get it. Too bad they canceled your request. So um, we're just not sure what to do with that. But right now we're helping everybody. We're we're 2,000 strong warriors who are leaning on each other in our faith. What is Airline Employees for Health Freedom doing? So what are some of the things that we can point to as this is an action taken by the organization to help employees who are dealing with the aftermath of these mandates? Well, interestingly enough, our uh, mission kind of changes by the day. Every time United throws a, a wrench at us, we react. I have an incredible group, about 20 core volunteers. We have um, one person who at the beginning, helped folks um, with questions regarding writing their religious exemptions. And we moved on toward the EEOC complaints. So I have an entire department now that specializes in helping people file their EEOC complaints um, if they have questions in the interview process. And then we track all their filings. We have now a department for terminations. So anytime someone is called in for a termination hearing, a lot of terminations on technicalities, um, they don't want the majority of us out on unpaid leave they'd rather just get us off the payroll or off the, the the list so there's been a lot of that my terminations department she she's got some really broad shoulders she listens to all the terrible stories so um then of course there's those of us that are working with the lawsuit and the case so um, everybody is a volunteer everybody's stepped up into a role that fits them best and tomorrow if they throw something at us we'll find a volunteer that'll help specialize in that and right now we're working with people through the holidays, depression is hitting, families are, are struggling. So um, as a need arises, we support the 2,000 people in the lawsuit. Now, we were talking about for the show, and it sounds like you have some pretty strong allies in Congress. Uh, could you tell us what's happening on that end? Sure. The Commerce Committee has a meeting in the Senate. 
we looked at the ranking members and um, the folks that were friendly to our uh, cause and um, tried to help present our people's case. One of our um, Texas constituents had reached out to Senator Cruz's office and um, he was kind enough to listen to her story. The CEOs of three of the major airlines, I believe one minor and um, the head of the flight attendant union will be in Congress answering um, for, I believe the discussion is regarding the shortages of employees in um, the airline industry as we approach the holiday season after receiving in the case of United Airlines, $7.5 billion in taxpayer money in the um, form of CARES relief. Well, Mr. Kirby, if you're short employees, I know where there are 2,000 ready to go to work tomorrow. So um, one of our constituents was a, who was terminated was able to tell her story to Senator Cruz. And we've got strong allies in uh, Senator Johnson's office, Senator Lee's office, Senator Blackburn's office. Sorry if I missed some. Now, as the holiday season starts to ramp up, as people want to go home to see their families, do you see that airlines maybe are going to keep pushing on these mandates? Or do you think they're going to maybe realize we need pilots, we need people in the planes, uh, let's, let's pull these back a little bit? Well, interestingly enough, I guess it depends on the airline. Um, once the BTR case and then eventually the six um, upheld the um, stay on the OSHA mandates and then last week uh, Senate voted and the Biden mandates all fell, um, Spirit Airlines came out first and just said, we're giving up. This, this is dumb. We're not going to mandate this. All along, American and Southwest have said, we'll give reasonable accommodations and don't worry, folks, you're not going to be out of work. Delta a leader in this area has offered reasonable accommodations via testing. Um, so the only airline really forcing the issue um, is Scott Kirby and United Airlines. So I would suggest that everybody else has taken a very reasonable approach based on the the fact that, you know, the pandemic is starting to wane and the holidays are coming and we need people moved where they need to move. Now, I will also say that United Airlines has bragged from day one, and I absolutely agree with it because I worked through the pandemic. We were safe. We are safe. You know, the 0.3% chance of catching COVID on an airplane. So we can do it safely. And um, other airlines have, have proven that they can keep their people working. What do you see as the stakes here if you know, these mandates are allowed to continue if, you know, United continues pushing on with these uh, vaccine mandates for its pilots. Do you see this causing industry-wide changes or do you see this as maybe being more isolated to United? I think it's a gamble on Scott Kirby's part to see what he can um, get through. I, I really don't know what it'll do to the industry right now. I mean, if, if the stay falls on the OSHA mandates or the uh, 14042 executive order, Obviously, um, there are industries that are um, prepared. I know a friend's over in the rail industry um, at Amtrak. They were told yesterday that, this, that their mandate had fallen, but be ready because if 14042 gets reinstated immediately, they'll, they'll be required to comply. So these are temporary, um, perhaps stays um, more long-term. I, I do this, people ask me every day, Sherry, you, you work 20 hours a day on this issue, what what is the driving force? And I will tell you, I have a 16 year old. My other co-founders have young children. I, there, I I cannot wake up someday in 10 years and my kid turn to me and say, mom, you had a chance to fix this and you didn't and you left me this mess. So, you know, I, go, I hearken back to our founding fathers and the reason they came here. They came here for their religious liberty and it is the last bastion uh, or, or the last front in the Title VII fight. So I'm going to fight till the end for my religious faith and that of my coworkers. 
and you know if that means that i'm done flying i guess i have a bigger fight god put in front of me now what advice do you have for those of us who might be dealing with these types of mandates in their jobs what advice would you give to them first i would learn title seven inside out know what your rights are the second piece of advice would be to follow what your company asks you have a higher you have the higher hand in court if you do what they ask if they say fill it out in this type of portal, if they say write it on a piece of parchment paper, whatever they ask, do what they ask and keep the process interactive. I submitted it, where do I stand? That way you're building your own case so that you can prove that whether they were interactive or they didn't um, follow it to the T, asked you for something outside of, of the law, such as a letter attesting from a, a, a one thing they, they suggested is you had to be a member of an organized religion who disavowed vaccines, well, that's not in, in the, uh, the title. So I would say, follow the steps, know the law, follow the steps as best you can and build your case. And then there are good people, there are organizations like ours that are fighting these mandates out there that will help you. Now, as we begin to wrap up this interview, I wanna give you the chance, where can our listeners learn more about your organization? Sure, we are at Airline Employees for Health Freedom. So the initials A, E, the number four, hf.org. We are a 5014C. We could use all the help we can to get this uh, case over the line. Um, the other one, we have a new, um, a redirect jabs for the number four jobs.org. And that'll take you to the same place. If, if nothing else, visit the site and watch the stories. See the stories of the faceless people of United Airlines who've had their faith um, trampled by this ridiculous mandate. And, and maybe this Christmas season, you'll understand why this is so important to us. Excellent. That was Sherry Walker, a pilot for United Airlines and co-founder of Airline Employees for Health Freedom, an organization formed to counter COVID-19 vaccination mandates in the airline industry. Sherry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We all know the legacy media isn't reporting the real news. But if we're going to improve our country, Americans need to know what's really going on. The Daily Signal is committed to covering the news that matters, we cover how radical leftist prosecutors, whose campaigns were funded by George Soros and his friends, are destroying American cities. We look at huge government bills, like Build Back Better, and unpack what's actually in them. And we're here to help parents know what's really going on in the public schools that their kids attend. But we need your help to keep doing this important reporting. Thank you for your continued support, and please consider making a gift to The Daily Signal so we can continue this work. You can donate at heritage.org slash TDS. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And as 2021 comes to a close, we are asking all of our listeners to take just a few minutes and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a review. It's so helpful to hear your feedback, and it really does help us spread the word to even more listeners. Thanks so much for listening during this very Merry Christmas season, and we will be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.